0: I'd invite you to pray with me. Gracious and holy God, as we uh, prepare to turn to your word this day, uh, we ask that you would help us settle into this time and space so that your word might settle into our hearts and minds. God, speak to us. Help us to know uh, how you're calling us to live, Um, and give us courage to step forward, following after you faithfully in these days. It's in your name we ask these things. Amen. Uh, So as we turn to Psalm 100 uh, today, I invite us to uh, read this aloud together in unison. So let us read together listening to god's word for us this day shout for joy to the lord on the earth worship the lord with gladness come before him with joyful songs know that the lord is god it is he who made us and we are his we are his people the sheep of his pasture Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Okay, y'all, there is a part of me that would love to preach a rah rah sis kumbah sermon about the future today. But to do so would require sticking my head into the proverbial sand and inviting you to do the same. And if there is one thing I know to be true, our heads in the sand is not where Christ wants us. So, rah rah sis kumbah is not on the menu for today. For there is one thing I always want to be as a preacher, and it is honest. And the last thing you or I need in the face of an honest look at the future of our world is a bunch of toxic positivity that ignores the true state of things. And yet, uh, believe you me, uh, there is a lot of hope to be found uh, as we look to the future so I want to take you back with me uh, uh, quite a why, quite a ways uh, to the day we brought Maya, our oldest, home from the hospital, almost 17 years ago. It was February 4th, 2007, the day after she was born, and she was all bundled up, ready to go home. My parents were there with Maya, George, and I. I was in my pink era. Once I knew I was having a girl, everything was pink, including my take-home outfit for the big day. They uh, all wheeled me down together in the wheelchair while I was holding Maya in my arms as we prepared uh, to head for home. In this picture, it looks like all is well, but man, did things unravel fast. So um, it's like as we're coming down uh, to uh, down the elevator, like I think like in the hallway on the way to the elevator, George's boss calls and he is on the way to our house to come greet us and meet the new baby. So we have this like moment of panic because we haven't been home since we left for the hospital. So George decides he's we had two cars, my parents car and our car. And so George is going to jump in his car and head home. Um, So he can tidy up really quick and be there to greet them. And so we get down to the bottom, like I'm there with the baby. He gives us a hug and a kiss and takes off. And so then my dad goes to get our car. Um, If you know my husband, uh, you know that the car I have, like we have, especially in this part of our life, it changed constantly. So at the time, I think it was like some old Mazda protege or something that comes rolling up. Um, there's like peel, he hadn't fixed it up yet, so there's like peeling tent. Had this awesome smell on the inside. He had uh, put in the base of the car seat, and that's why we were taking that car and not my parents. So it was all ready for us, um, and the car seat was in there too. And so here we go, ready to like load Maya in for the first time and take her home. And so I crawl in with her, and I start to put her in the car seat. And we've never used the car seat. We did not follow those instructions to take it to the fire you know, like to the fire people, and have them get it all set up and show you how to operate it. So uh, the straps are really tight, and um, I like I'm I'm like trying to figure out to get my dad in there. Like we cannot like we cannot figure out how to adjust the straps. Um, at this point, this was like before smartphones, right? So I had a very pink because I had gotten it while I was pregnant. This flip phone. So I couldn't, like, Google, like, how do you work the car seat, couldn't find the instruction manual. I don't know, like, how or why we didn't get a hold of George. I don't know if we tried to call him. He just didn't answer his phone. So there I am with my brand-new one-day-old baby, and this car seat I cannot fix. And so, like, we end up, like, setting her in and, like, squeezing one arm under one strap and getting half of it buckled, and then the other half is just, like, there's nothing we can do. Like, it's just there. In this junky car that stinks with the tint peeling, and we start driving towards our house, and y'all, I just start sobbing (laughs) as I am, like, protectively hovering over my baby girl uh, in this car seat. Um, Because it's, I have brought this child into the world, and the second we try to enter into it, I am unable to protect her and care for her in the way that I am meant to, and I am in my mind thinking, what have I done? Late that night, Maya and George are both asleep, and I know I should be too, because she would be up and ready to nurse before I knew it, but my mind and heart were racing. I shuffle out to our living room where my dad was still up watching TV, and I again start crying as I tried to put into words what was stirring in my heart. There was this realization that this tiny, precious, wondrous human, my daughter, that I had brought her into this broken world, and I knew that there was no way I could fully protect her from it, keep her from the pain and suffering our brokenness breeds, and I was overwhelmed by the fear about what would come what her future would hold. I know that part of that day's fear was due to the fact that postpartum hormone swings are very, very real. I didn't stay in that dark, fearful place. Yet I understand those fears. And when we look at the state of our world, they are very real as well. Nearly 17 years later, my baby girl has grown into a young woman whose heart holds some of those same fears, questioning becoming a mother at all because of the trajectory our planet and world is on and what that would mean for her children. I realize that I, nor my daughter after me, are not the only ones who have faced that, the reality of our world with deep and profound fear for the lives of our children. There are mothers and fathers around our world this very day who know that fear in ways we cannot even begin to imagine. Maybe that fear is nestled in the hearts of each and every generation on some level, but when I think of the Israelites who would have written and sung our Psalm 100, there have been so many generations who have lived in the shadow of humanity's brokenness and evil, and yet still these are the words they sing to our God. For the Lord is good, and his steadfast love endures forever, his faithfulness continues through all generations. The faithfulness of God named here was experienced by the enslaved generation who suffered under Pharaoh's hand, by the generation who wandered in the wilderness longing for the promised land, by the embattled generation who fought for that promise, by the exiled generation who lost it when they were defeated and captured by Babylon. The faithfulness of God named here was experienced by each of those generations. They would have sung this song for God's faithfulness is proven most true, not in times of plenty, but in times of want, not in times of health, but in times of sickness, not in times of wealth, but in times of poverty. It is in the midst of all the brokenness, the pain and suffering of this world that we come to know and understand the goodness of our God in the face of evil. We realize how steadfast God's love is as we watch it endure the worst. We recognize the depths of God's faithfulness as God walks with us, come what may. As God, in one way or another, manages to see us through. 25 years ago next Sunday, our own Jeanette Rice stood before the Congregation of Heritage Presbyterian Church on its Charter Sunday and invited them to embrace the future. I know that the future she envisioned then for this church and this world has not unfolded exactly in the way she and those gathered together on that day first hoped. But I also know that if she were standing up here before you today, she would testify powerfully to God's goodness, God's steadfast love, and God's faithfulness over these 25 years. Amen, Jeanette? Amen. She named a powerful truth for our people all those years ago that I want you to hear again today. She said the future of the church rests in the hands of all of us. We embrace the future by living it today. The future of the church rests in each of our hearts. God's goodness, God's steadfast love, God's faithfulness is something we experience, something we are gifted with, something we are blessed by. At the same time, Part of the way that goodness, steadfast love, and faithfulness continues from generation to generation is through the hands and the hearts of those who have experienced it themselves, living it, sharing of it in the world God so loves. God's faithfulness continues in and through the hearts and the hands of the faithful in each generation. This is true in the church, and it is true beyond it as well. That powerful truth can be spoken not just about our church, but also about our world. And when we think about the mission of the church, the reason we are here, it is to serve God's beloved world. The future of the world rests in the hands of us, all of us. We embrace the future by living it today. The future of the world rests in each of our hearts. As I look to the future of the church, the future of the world, I do not want to be paralyzed by fear. I want to be one who shares God's goodness, who gives of God's steadfast love, who is part of the faithfulness of our God continuing in my generation. I want to embrace the future by living toward it today. I want my hands and my heart to do their part. The first time I fully experienced the brokenness of our world was the summer after eighth grade when I went on a mission and learning trip with my home church to visit El Salvador. We had a sister village there, Los Talpatates, that we had adopted in the aftermath of the civil war that ravaged that country. I spent 10 days in that land that was still stained by the blood of so many and saw firsthand the evil we can wage upon one another. One of the most memorable places we visited was the church where Archbishop Oscar Romero, who advocated so publicly for the people and for peace in the midst of that war, was gunned down by government-backed death squads while he stood at the altar, at the foot of the cross that bore Christ's body and blood. These words of Oscar Romero's speak powerfully of the way we are called to embrace the future. They are a powerful witness from the faithful of one generation spoken to us who long to be faithful now. He writes, It helps now and then to step back and take the long view The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is another way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that should be said. No prayer fully expressed our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we are about we plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produce effects far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything. And there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something, and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and to do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are not workers, not master builders, ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future that is not our own. We embrace our future, not blindly, with our heads buried in the sand, We embrace our future by living toward it today, knowing that our hands and our hearts have a part to play in the goodness, the steadfast love, and the faithfulness of our God for this generation and for the next. Amen. Amen.